0: Welcome to the Sports Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Lure. And today, we're going to have a very interesting conversation about the world of blockchain, tokenization, uh, and many other pieces of the crypto world with a gentleman calling in from Malta, Mr. Alex Dreyfus. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Alex.
1: Hi, Marcus. Thank you very much for the invitation.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm really looking forward to this this conversation. Um, I've had my own uh, experience with the world of ICOs and... Uh, tokenization a few years ago. So I'd love to share this and, and, and really hear your stories here. But uh, before we get there, let me do a quick intro, um, you know, and, and sort of a maybe quick description of how I would uh, uh, explain it to our listeners here. You are truly a serial entrepreneur. Um, you know, you've been, done several businesses, um, you know, and some you exited successfully. Uh, we'll touch on that later. Um, if, you know, in the, you know, what you call yourself a netpreneur, net as an in internet, um, you know, in the tech space, there. Um, you've been in poker and sports betting. And now, of course, you're known for being Mr. Chili's here and Socios, which is what we we'll obviously be talking about later and the cool things you guys are doing there in fan engagement with, through fintech. Um, but before we go there, uh, I always love to start with a bit how you got first in the, you know, your first business. And in your case, it was obviously wasn't necessarily sports, but uh, how you got into. Uh, uh, your first company, um, and which you then, of course, sold. Uh, start there a bit, uh, you know. Sure. So uh,
1: obviously, obviously, I'm French with this accent, and therefore I started in France from Lyon, my
0: home uh-huh.
1: city. Right.
2: Um,
1: and um, what happened is I, I've been very, very lucky because I, I got my first computer when I was six meaning that i started to actually learn how to write and read when i uh, when i had my first computer and i became a geek and a kind of a programmer and all that stuff Mm. uh, for uh, all my youth and in um, uh, when i was like 14 15 so when was that? So it was in 93 or something like that. Mm. Um, I, I started really to have a, my uh, first uh, BBS, built-in board system, which was like an online forum at that time. And I'm talking 1993. Huh? Mm. online forum that worked with modem. You need to have like an RTC modem that you connect to your computer, that yes. goes to your phone line, and you are like, beep, beep, uh, all <laughs> of this. Yeah. And, and there was no email and internet at that time. Uh, And I started to have my own uh, BBS or forum or community uh, in my literally in my room, and I was lucky enough to have a father that can support that. Um, And then in 1995, when I was exactly 18, um, I actually left school, or rather, I quit school without any uh, degree or baccalaureate or A level or whatever. I mm-hmm. actually left school without the authorization of my parents wow. uh, which uh, pro- which was the only times where my mother gave me a slap in the face because <laughs> I came back home one day and I, she told me oh, because I was not a good student, I was the, the last one more or less mm-hmm. uh, and um, I came back home, my mother said hey we uh, hired a new math guy for homework etc and I said what for? I don't need it anymore, I don't go to school and boom, I got oh. my slap. Uh, right. And uh, But that's okay. She, she, she's over it now. Uh, and at that time in 1995, which was the beginning of the, of the Internet uh, um, in every single way, I created a company called uh, MediaRex, yeah. uh, Artis,
0: yeah, which yeah. was
1: in Latin, media artist and, uh, and, and stuff. And All it right. was at that time what you would call today a web agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at that time, it was absolutely never a web never agency. Uh, and my first job was uh, was actually to install internet in like big corporations so i was in my home city in Lyon. i was going with a car i was just 18 and i was installing a modem and a computer uh standalone to a, a dedicated line for a, a, a billion euro company or a small uh, company to it. have their first internet access and yes. um, and then i started to do websites, and then we grow this and we, we sold that we were two we were 50 50 with a, with a partner uh, was more commercial, and I was the, the tech guy. Mm. Uh, and we eventually sold the company to a publicist uh, in, mm. in Lyon,
2: mm. uh,
1: and it became the kind of digital arm of their venture, uh, of their uh, Lyon uh, offices. And Very then cool. I really moved into my first baby, uh, which was I'm not going to go through the whole journey because that yep. will take more than one podcast. <laughs> yes. But uh, started in a baby called Web. City.com, city. yeah, right. uh, which was the online city guide in France, wow. uh, where in Lyon, in Paris, in Lille, in Marseille, in actually eventually 37 cities. And it was in the, in the years, you know, 1999, we raised the equivalent of, uh, well, at that time it was 12 million francs, but it would be 1.5 million euros mm. in a traditional Serie A, VC. Uh, like in the, in, the, in the good years. Yep. Um, and uh, and I was 20, in 1999, I was 22. Um, so it w- was very cool because hired like 50, 60 people, was on the TV all the time, you know, I was a young entrepreneur, blah, blah,
2: yeah. blah.
1: Uh, that's where, that was the good years. and um, But it didn't work well because we ended up going bankrupt. Or not we, I did go bankrupt. It's my, it's my fault. Mm. Um, and um, But the company actually, or the vision and the project survive, eventually got acquired by a competitor that arrived after us and then got merged with Yelp. And uh, it's a very long story. But um, at that time, it was my first lesson is uh, being right early is not being right. Hmm. And, And most importantly, in most of this digital business, and that's true even today, the key is to be able to last longer because it's always there is always someone that's going to come after you doing the exact same thing, but if he comes after you after all your mistakes and he has more money than you at that point, then you're fucked
0: yep and I do agree with that comment already and uh, I'll share one of my stories later when we get into the world of blockchain there but uh, uh, yeah that's a great entrepreneurial kickstart here um, from the a- age of 18 they're amazing um now before we move into you know the the sort of you know the juicy part of what we want to talk about later I, I do would like to touch a bit on your your poker days here you know you've obviously had a um, you got into uh, into you know what it's it's called it uh, online poker and sports betting there I think the yeah. first company again was called Win, Winamax, uh, yes. and later on you had Chili Gaming. Uh, talk about that. I mean, that's a, again, it's a really unique space, and, and I'm sure lots of interesting learnings come out of that.
1: Oh, yeah. So, what happened is um, after the, so, two, when were we? We were in 2002. I, I <clears throat> the, the company, or the, well, the What's left of WebCity.com was merged. I left, etc. Mm. And actually, I was broke. Uh, I was completely broke at that time uh, <clears throat> because, as an entrepreneur, I didn't, especially in France at that time. It's not mm. anywhere. Tr- uh, it's not true anymore. But you didn't have uh, any uh, social protection. So whatever you pay as a, as a, as a um, uh, tax, uh, it didn't give you any uh, empl- uh, benefits in the future. Mm. But uh, so I was broke. Uh, I worked for a few months. Uh, actually, I worked for one year, I guess, for someone else, which was the first time and the last time in my life,
2: um,
1: <laughs> to try to get a, sal- to get a, a salary and actually to uh, uh, be able to um, get employment um, uh, non-employment benefits. Right. And it, then I started to look at, hey, what should I do? What's my next move? Hmm. And uh, my next move became online gambling uh, for a simple reason, or plenty of reason, But the first one is, like everybody else, in 2003, 2004, I thought that online gambling was uh, bad, it's illegal, it's money laundering, that's a scam, Mm -hmm. Uh, and because I've never been a gambler myself, uh, I I just recall at that time the advertising of 888.com or Casino.net, but um, I didn't really know about it. And then I educated myself a a bit more about the the, um, the business, the technology, and I realized that in France it was unregulated, and my bet was, hey, it's not regulated today, but one day it will become regulated in France and in other countries. Yeah. So started to look at this business. Uh, I was broke, didn't have any cash, uh, didn't have any money to invest and create anything, even myself. Hmm. So I asked two friends of mine uh, to uh, join me uh, to create Winamax. Uh, and we created it, the first sports book that was actually in a way targeting uh, France even though we were based in UK guess, mm. officially um, and um, and we started with this we got a license in UK so that's 2004 2005 yeah. uh, I think we launched at the time of May uh, 2005 when there was Roland Garros mm. it was our first odds and I was behind my computer we were three we were doing customer care we were doing the odds uh, <laughs> we were doing the settlement the settlement of the payment uh, of uh, of matches so oh, right. every Saturday was a very painful job because when match because we were very small and didn't have a lot of liquidity. So when you have bettors that bait against you yes. and makes a lot of money and clicking on button and every time I click on the button, we are losing money. Yeah. Um, How so would you set the, was, the odds?
0: You were setting your own odds or you were just copying it from no, the bigger players?
1: We were, buying, uh, we were buying in from BetRadar at that time okay. Okay. Uh, and then we were just tuning a little bit based on some of our uh, um, stuff, but it, it was a, a semi-manual process. Hmm. Um and which by the way is the time where I realized that there was rigged match because and, and I and I lived it for real because I, I've seen people coming only on our platform to bet on very specific match and right. always winning and then they were doing nothing else. Hmm. Um and they were coming from Poland, from St- not Estonia but some other countries. And it was fun. It was the the, the, the early days and then we, we started to move into the, the poker business. Um, and for, I would say, personal reason, we had a clash with uh, partners. We were three. And because I didn't have cash, I was not able to, ca- to actually buy them out. So I had to sell my shares. So I sold my shares at that time right. uh, in 2006. And then I moved to Malta, where I reinvested my money uh, into uh, my other venture, which was Chili uh, Gaming, right. which was more poker, poker related.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, and we, we launched Chili Poker 2006, mm. uh, which was at that time what we call a skin or a white label um and we became pretty successful not successful it was like a 10 million dollar business or eight 10 million dollar but it was okay we were like 40 employees uh, and the more we were working into that the more we developed our back-end solution or technology payment bonuses crm mm-hmm. fraud, which is my background and, and the background of, of the people even working today in, uh, here in socials uh, and so became very much educated in regulation, payments, um, banking, and showing that eventually in, in a B2C business that is online poker, but it's the same in crypto and it's the same in the sports business. Yes. It's a consumer facing uh, industry where your job is to acquire users and to make sure that these users can pay on your platform and to make sure that, of course, the, the product that you sell works and you have retention, you have affiliates and all that stuff. Right. So right. did that for... Uh, did that for 2006 2000. did that for six years on my own then sold the, the business to a listed company in, uh, in LA in LA in, um, in Vegas the, yeah. called bali uh, Technology and now it's Scientific Games so it's the uh, number one number two in terms of uh, uh, casino provider all over the world mm. and by doing this we were the first non-American company to actually sign and that was my uh, that was one, my baby actually we signed um, we, we were becoming the official p- uh, platform provider to uh, the first loan-based casino in the U.S. that wanted to launch online gambling. Right. Uh, and that was Golden, Golden Nugget, uh, based in, uh, in, in um, Vegas, New Jersey, right. and out of Houston. And so I spent like two years back and forth between Europe and, uh, and, uh, and U.S. Uh, thanks to the company that acquired me. So I did a lot like first I learned a lot about us of course as well, but mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of education towards like senators and regulators and casino and stuff like this it was very cool. Yeah. Uh, and eventually I really left and completely cashed out in 2014 uh, yeah, ish and I kept actually um, I kept or rather I reinvested almost immediately in another poker related business. Um, which is uh, which I still own 100% called the Global Poker Index GPI or the mob.com which is like the official ranking authority of all poker players in the world. All right. So if Mar- Marcus is playing in Macau tomorrow, or is playing in Las Vegas, or is playing in um, in Berlin, in a, in a in a in a casino for a poker tournament yes. that is like a decent size, this information is aggregated by us, okay. and we give you a ranking, and all Marcus right. becomes the. No- number 150 top players in Germany. And it's kind of the ATP of poker, PGA of poker, it's it's really like this official. Ah, Okay, cool. And and I bought that like, invested a few millions of dollars on my own in this. The goal was actually, and that's how I came into sports, which also a bit one of your question eventually, is we started to try to create a sport out of poker. Mm -hmm. So we own the ATP, we own the PGA of poker, now we're going to create Awards. So we created the American Poker Awards, we created the European, or we actually redeveloped the European Poker Awards, where we celebrate all these poker players all over the world, events online, it's on TV, blah, 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 spend fortune into this. Um, And the more I was going into that, the more I was getting closer to the sports industry. Uh, And eventually we launched something called the Global Poker League, GPL. -hmm. Which was like a NFL, NBA, uh, UFC-inspired new sports franchise or new sports business, and um, raised money for that. uh, lasted one year. Had twelve teams. uh, Had twelve teams of seventy-two players totally. We paid the players. We we had a TV studio in Las Vegas, TV studio in Malta. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details, but at the end of the season one. Uh, we closed the season one, well first we were broke as as fuck uh, (laughs) first of all and and, and secondly we didn't have the audience that we wanted Mm. but we we learned a lot about running uh, let's say, a franchise, a sports business etc and that's the genesis of socios and Chili's because at that time our question was what can we do to monetize our audience and what can we do to engage more our fans, the people that were watching what we were doing Mm. and the more we worked on that the months after the more we realized that there was a need for either us or some other uh, franchise and IP owners to actually engage and monetize uh, their fan base. Mm-hmm. And that's actually the genesis of what we are doing today. And instead of doing it for us, we developed a platform called socios.com that help and support um, big or not actually, uh, but uh, any uh, sports team to try to engage and monetize their fan base. And we are developing features around that. That's mm-hmm. more or less the whole story.
0: I love it. And it's. I mean, I didn't want to jump in because you were in such a great flow here. I love the stories of how you started and, and you know, really went all over the place here. Um, learning and, and, as you said, some worked, some didn't. Um, you know, you take your, your hits as they come. And I recall our days when we used to work with Labbrook's, uh when, when, again, online gaming really started. We were their agent here in Asia, um, and we basically built their online presence. We had, we had 150 affiliate programs, had a whole team of people running around, spending a lot of money. Everywhere until, of course, one market after the other went dark, um, and it all disappeared. But we, you know, we we basically were we seeing all the bets going through. It was incredible. I mean, I have to admit that it was just a crazy world, and it it still is a crazy world out there, as for sure. And so, because you had your little fair share of that, and and I had to admit, I didn't realize, I didn't see any of that uh, poker stuff anywhere in your in your CV either. So that's a that's a great story too. There, so uh, uh, actually, I
1: forgot. It. Funny enough, in my LinkedIn, when I updated it, I deleted uh, some of this, uh, like the old Global <laughs> Poker Index stuff, by mistake, and I need
0: to update it. Uh, yeah, you have to. But uh, you know, that sounds like my glory kickboxing story. <laughs> it's uh, similar <laughs> learning there. It lasted a bit longer. It's still there out there, but uh, yeah, it's burned a lot of money in the process. Uh, now let's get into into the world of chilies and um, and then on socials, of course. Um, and and here's my first question because. Uh, one thing when I read your again what you're putting out there, um, of course you know it's about blockchain. It's about you know using Ethereum, all this stuff, and we'll dig into all those things in more detail. But uh, in reality, blockchain really only started being on a bigger radar um, for most people probably 2017, 2018. But you know you're you're obviously were in there quite early. Um, how did what? How did you you know? How did blockchain start for you? Um, you know, where did that first appear on your radar? Maybe you know, year and and then how do you got into this? And you know, obviously you did a fundraising on the back of it too.
1: Yes, so I have a love hate relationship originally with um, crypto. Before even blockchain, right. uh, for me I, I, I am a Web 1.0 guy. So uh, literally from 1995, that's how I started with the internet, and I will one day tell you how I started with internet. Uh, there is some uh, porn uh, related, but I will not tell you more about this. Um, <laughs> okay. So in terms of um, in terms of crypto. I guess like, I don't remember the first time I actually seen Bitcoin and read about Bitcoin. But I remember that for my um, for my honeymoon, which technically was then six years ago, I was in Iceland. Uh, and I'm in the front of this small bar in Reykjavik. And there is a Bitcoin logo like you can pay with Bitcoin there. Oh, really? And I, I recall still uh, that time that, oh, that's cool. You see, and then there is this digital thing. And it didn't click too much, I didn't look more, I was like, well, that must be a uh, scammy. And I, uh, I didn't know. And over the years, I remember in 2014, actually on my Twitter feed, if you go back and you, Google, you search Alex Dreyfus and Bitcoin, um, and you go back in 2014, you will see me talking, saying Bitcoin is a scam and it should not be involving gambling. Uh, because uh, it's, it facilitates money laundering and, uh, and there is no KYC and blah blah blah, so I, I was very much against it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also because I was absolutely uneducated about the tech and the real, I will say, meaning of it. Mm-hmm. But then, in 2017, early 2017, I started to see on my Twitter feed all these poker players and Calvinaire actually talking about crypto, Bitcoin, all the time, all the time, all the time. And because I come from the crypto space. Um, uh, crypto space, the poker space, um, I, I, I was super exposed to that also, overexposed into this. Right.
2: Um,
1: and I started to look at it, and I was like, what the hell is this? And I remember Calvin Air on Facebook talking about how Bitcoin is going to go up. It's going to be at 1,000, 2,000, 4,000, 5,000. And every time he was right, I was like, what the hell? I, I actually took a screenshot of it. <laughs> and, um, and then I... S- yeah, I started to look at this, trying to understand a little bit more. Uh, I, I never traded in my life. I don't gamble, I don't own any stocks, I don't own all of this stuff. So for me, it was more about trying to understand how it works. Started to look about it a little bit more in um, December, in summer
2: 2017.
1: Mm. And while we were working, actually on our own uh, fan engagement, esports vision, etc., the more we were working into that, the more we were like, hey, but what if the fans actually own pieces of the teams that we're gonna create right. um, and it all started like that like having like kind of a, a equity uh, of teams that we will continue to develop etc cetera, etc cetera. and the more we were going into this the more we were like okay maybe we don't again we don't do it for us but we develop a platform where you will have tokens that uh, you have a share of influence not anymore equity which Brings a lot of legal issues, securities, and all that stuff. Yep. But uh, more like, hey, let's try to work on the final engagement and stuff. Yeah. And that's what happened in, uh, in, in uh, December uh, 17 at mm. the peak, of course, of the, of crypto. Yes. Uh, of, uh, yeah. Yeah. of course, yes, it did trigger more like appetite and interest because, like, a, oh, I've seen that in 1999, in, in 2000. And, and for me, that did trigger, like, it forced me actually to have a look at it because I, I I could not be left out of that. And we worked on a plan and we said, let's fuck it, let's do it. And mm. the first week of January 2018, I go back from holidays, uh, go back to my team I say, guys, we're launching it. Uh, we are doing it. It's gonna be called Chili's. Uh, and uh, this is the plan. Let's write about it and let's go after it. Mm. Um, and that's how it's kind of all started uh, by a lot of education, trying to read a lot uh, and see how technology can actually
0: be useful for what we wanted originally for us. Right. I love it. And it's, it's interesting, the timing is so crazily uh, uh, similar to ours. Uh, you know, that, at that time, we were building SportsFix, which is, was our ODT platform, right? And, and similar, we just yeah. saw there was there was something there where blockchain and, and all these things, uh, you know, cryptization and the tokenization, there was something there which was different and unique. So around the similar time, Larry, what you were just saying is just uh, wild. Um, in that year, we were Doing the same thing, um, but and I'll come to later what happened to us. But in your case, when did you then go out? with the ICO? And, and I know you know you, you it's public. You know you raised sixty six million US dollars uh, through a private placement, which is basically means it's not a public uh, ICO. Um, what yeah. w- around what time was that? It must have been early, really early two thousand eighteen because the market really tanked very quickly after, right? Yes. Yeah,
1: so yes and no. So we we um, be, because I was I mean. I came from the gambling space i had that time 15 17 years experience network whatever in the web industry mm. so um network was pretty broad um and we released our white paper and our, i will say expect our, our expectation in march 2018. okay uh, or, or actually maybe february mid-february 2018 mm. we got our first i will say dollar of a private placement probably in march and we closed it in July 2018. So it took us still like four, five, six months to do that. We were very lucky. We met the right partner at the right time um, uh, as well that helped us to uh, to, to to develop this. Uh, I mean, financially wise, um, and that was due to the network coming from the gaming industry. So there, there was a, a very strong connection there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but it, yeah, it, it was it was very intense. We we were also lucky because. Binance came to Malta, yet thanks to us. But still, they came to Malta, so we get close to them. Eventually, they invested a little bit. I mean, a little bit a million dollars or so. And and then the that that put us in the front of the highlights. Yeah. Uh, so that, that there was it, it was a sum of luck. Of course, it's a sum of luck that we provoked, hmm. uh, provoked, and and we pushed. But still, we, we, everything was very much aligned. And in a way, I'm happy we didn't raise in 2017 because I would probably have burned everything uh, thinking that, oh, it's going to be always like this. Yes. Um, and so I'm happy that we raised when it was already going down big time right. because it made it more difficult, uh, but it also gave us reality.
0: Yes. But
1: uh, to be fair, for you, when we raised whatever is the amount of money we raised, uh, that money vanished, well, not vanished, but shrinked significantly. Of <laughs> In, in, in few months yes. to the point that it was like what the hell? first why i didn't sell i mean i didn't liquidate yes. because uh, i always say that oh i will liquidate everything and then you don't do it because you think it's gonna go higher and then it doesn't and then you like start to, to yep. cry um and and then you focus on what you know the best which is developing and building And and it was.
0: I know, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Like as our part of the story, which isn't unfortunately as successful as yours, is that. It we, we took us too long. We spent probably six, seven months cracking on this white paper. And, and, you know, I think we were, as usual, maybe we're trying to be a little bit too perfect. So by the time we really got in the market, we were probably August, I think, you know, July, August, before we really got in there. And the market has just had just dropped Um, every expert we've ever spoke to. And we had the usual, you know, crypto advisors and, you know, we had a pretty, pretty good looking, sexy uh, white paper there every single one said look guys you should raise 30 million 40 million easily you know and somebody's said, like what? You, that's all you want to raise you should be raising much more and so you know so you buy you believe some of your own the own bullshit of course um you know and we are, we were convinced we would uh, we didn't raise Pretty much anything. We raised, you know, very, very few, very, uh, very little. Um, and on the back of it, that really distracted sports fix so much. Uh, where at that time that later on that, that that hurt us and killed us, probably. But his uh, it, how uh, timing is perfect is is one of my favorite topics. Always in these conversations with other entrepreneurs, that how important timing is, and maybe to some degree that little bit of luck as well. Um, as you maybe had it there, and like you rightly said, you know that sixty-six million, but became a little, a lot less because of all these currencies which you. Uh, which you oh, were paid yes. <laughs> and uh, dropped to the roof, of course, as well. So I, I appreciate that's not the money you had anymore uh, or might not have now anymore to uh, to do what you're doing. But um, you are doing a lot of really cool things, and that's where we're going to get a bit into now. So first of all, let's let's go a little bit really basic here and just get everyone to understand, because as usual, even though blockchain is maybe not as big a flavor of the month anymore as it was a couple of years ago where it, and it was just you know everywhere, um, you know and so people might still you know here remember erc 20 and ethereum and all stuff but uh, let's let's go a little back so you're using erc20 which is ethereum platform for, chili's for the for your for your own token right you've created uh-huh. the, the token you create an exchange right so where you trade uh, the product right so that's obviously really what chili's was before we started talking more about socios
1: yes I mean chili's, if you chili's always was and is still the token or the currency of the ecosystem that we are trying to build. Right. Uh, and that's what fueled what we are doing right now. And uh, when we're gonna go a little bit deeper in socials and the relationship we have with the football teams, esports team or whatever, you will see that the, the, the Chile's currency token, uh, etc. it's really the, 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 the f- for me, uh, the word of token, and it depends in every languages, but it goes back to the arcade when we go back 35 years ago, when you go in an arcade hall, a video game hall, you know, uh, you buy tokens and then you can play with these tokens in every single game that is in this hall. Mm-hmm. Here it's exactly the same. Cheese is the token of this hall that we created. And all the games that we have are not games in that way. They are they are product, but the product of Barcelona, of Juventus, etc. It's in this whole ecosystem that we build. Right. Uh, and uh, it, it creates some like fluidity between uh, for between users and, uh, and clubs in this whole ecosystem.
0: Mm. Now you mentioned earlier, um, and again, I, unfortunately, I didn't have a chance to read the old white paper. Uh, but there was a lot more focus on esports originally with Chile's right? And 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 what you're doing, what you're trying to do, um, which obviously now has gone more into sports. Again, what so what was your your real focus when you when you went in there? Um, I know it was a. You know, a, a fan engagement and a, and a you know sort of consumer-facing um, tokenization of of assets. But what was really what was the original story, uh, which is now obviously changed, maybe to some degree. Uh,
1: so the original story, well, I mean, still well, same is we, we wanted to be to focus on esports and then grow into into traditional sports. Okay. Uh, and um, what happened is the more we were working in esports the less we wanted to work in eSports for plenty of reason. First, that as much as everybody was excited, it's a billion dollar market, blah, blah, blah. We all read the news uh, statistics and and reports. The reality is this is a market that is driven by game publishers and that the only interest for the game publishers is to sell more than their their game. And we realized quickly that you cannot develop anything into eSports that will be valuable um, without being a slave or enslaved by uh, the game publishers, okay. and, and also the monetization is very low. Uh, fan, yeah, sure, there is a lot of fans, uh, there is a lot of users, etc., but they don't spend money, uh, at least not in esports. They spend money in the game, mm. but they don't spend money in what's around the game. Um, right. And we started to realize that wait a second, if our vision of trying to engage fans, etc., monetize them uh, doesn't work in esports, uh, we will die. So when originally we were planning to go into the sports uh, in one two year after and that's why in the original uh, white paper it's written that we actually did the other way around hmm. we accelerated our plans into traditional sports we started to talk to clubs and guess what it was easier to work i mean it was easier to talk to paris saint-germain juventus and all these guys than it was easier to talk to esports team okay. because esports team unfortunately were unequipped there are gamers uh, that think at that time and it's still a little bit the case that uh, esports gonna change the world and therefore they were super cocky and arrogant uh, it was also the, the big bubble of esports the raising ton of money uh, at that time mm-hmm. and but they had no product in a way they don't have any, a, lot, a lot of assets mm-hmm. and it was very difficult to engage with them so we, we pushed more luck into the sports space traditional sports we acquired um, we we always said that Chile's was like inspired from the socios you know real madrid barcelona etc and we really, at some point it was literally a weekend i was like oh, maybe we you know we can check and one day we can call be called socios.com and we realized that wait a second there is uh, the socios.com domain was bought in 1999 by a swiss guy um, and they never used it and he get it and never used it hmm. so i managed to talk to him on uh, LinkedIn or email, I don't remember. And over a weekend, the guy said, listen, I'm keen to sell it for you for 20,000 euros. I say, yeah, done, we do it. I send in the 20,000 uh, euros on PayPal, um, uh, without any contract, without anything. And the guy gave me access to the domain. And then it started, I started to uh, also take the twitter.com slash socials, which was used, but unused. So I managed to convince, I don't remember to be honest, this, how we, we, we got it back. Uh, and that's how the socials name came up, or, okay. came up, or at least the story started. Uh, and we started to say, hey, our sports slash football venture will not, be called, will not be called Chili's, but it will be called socials because it's more oh. consumer-facing in terms of explanation. Got and on. that's how it
0: started. Wow, oh, interesting. So now let's, let's define, and I, and I actually love the, uh, uh, the way you call it, the fintech… Fan engagement platform. That, that's a very sexy name already. I, I uh, you know, if you if you're raising some more money, that's a very cool. Uh T- tagline there already now um, what does that really mean let's uh, you know let's <laughs> explain it to the, again the layman's of what the socio do and I obviously I know more about it so I'll, I'll, we'll go along the lines here but uh, you know let's start with the basics you are raising money by creating a token for a club right that's the basis of it but tell, go talk, talk us through a really um, you know how you convince Juventus and, and uh, Barcelona and a few other teams to to, to play with you
1: so, um, so let's go back to the genesis. What do we do? Um, the, the the vision is very simple. Ninety nine point nine percent of sports fan, and that's pre COVID, are oh. not in the stadium of the team that they are supporting. Right. And sometimes they are not even in the city or even in the country of the team that they are supporting. Right. That's true, of course, for the global brand, but for s- smaller brand, it's also true for a part of it. Sure. So the question is, what can you sell? What can you scale? What can you make it make global as a product that could be interesting for a fan, um, and how can you develop that? And our vision was there is two things that matter for a fan: one, it's being recognized as a fan, mm-hmm. and two, is to be listened as a fan, or at least have the feeling that you are. Mm-hmm. And so we we came up with this idea that we sort of invented called a fan token, which is a digital asset that gives you. The fact that, hey, I own this, parts, uh, this uh, Barcelona token or that Juventus token, mm-hmm. that's make me a super fan, a fan 2.0, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, yep. or a social 2.0. Uh, and by owning this fan, not only I'm recognized as one of the official fans, but also it gives me benefits that are, one, being able to participate and having a share of influence uh, when uh, the clubs is going to ask questions to their fans and ask them to decide something so that's what we negotiated with every single club mm-hmm. and the second one is a little bit of benefits discount merchandising and participation and all that stuff right. um, so the, the first
0: really is a share of voice right and I think you, that's what you, the way you describe it yes that's it as the, well, the biggest but... Yeah. That's a big thing, yeah. which is quite Actually, interesting, yeah. right? Because a lot of people who obviously created utility token, it was always more for other transactional purposes, right? To use up yes. the token. In your case, you're not using up the token. You're just using the amount of tokens you have to vote, correct?
1: Mm-hmm. So, sorry, drinking. So, um, indeed, and that's also ironic. Um, when you think crypto, people think cryptocurrency. Yeah. But in our case, it's more like digital asset, or uh, almost like a, an asset class for mm-hmm. for, uh, for the sports industry. right, and for us it's about how can we talk what we call tokenizing fan engagement, yes. fan sentiment. Yes. And so we create these fan tokens that are a limited supply for each club, yeah. and you as an owner of one or a thousand tokens have suddenly a say uh, into what the club will ask today or tomorrow and um originally actually what we call fan token was originally called voice token Mm. but people thought that we were creating a new voice system or telephone system or (laughs) telecommunication system so we pivoted into fan token right um and yes these tokens are not a currency in a way that you cannot go in a stadium and pay with your fan token why because then it means that you will target Again, the fifty thousand people that are in the stadium already and the clubs knows already how to generate revenue in the ticketing, F yeah. and and merchandising. They, they don't need me yeah. to add a layer It's easier to
0: pay in and, and cash or credit card, and, exactly. And
1: exactly. That's what I always hand up. I say, guys, you know how to make revenue in in, in in euro, in lira, in GPB? Why on I mean what the hell you will need a new cryptocurrency to do that? Yes. So we, we, we try to kill this narrative that, oh, it's amazing. We're going to create a token. it's going to be able to exchange it in my stadium. No, no guys, focus on the 99% of your fans that are not in the stadium. Right. And for that, it's not about a currency. It's about you giving me a, sta- a social status. It's just that we digitalize this social status. Right, exactly. um, And yeah, that, that's more or less what we do and, and how it works. And so we started to discuss with these clubs, explaining, hey, you have fan base. We have an idea. We have a bit of money. We are developing a product. Let's do it together. And let's try to monetize this fan base globally.
2: Mm, Very interesting.
1: It's a lot of education. It's a very expensive education. (laughs) Uh, And eventually we launched our product almost a year ago now. Right. Uh, the, the, the Socios.com app, the first version or the beta version. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we have like 350,000 downloads. We have thousands of thousands of users that spending money, buying the tokens of the team, trading them, participating to the vote. And we have, more importantly, more and more features uh, coming up as well in the next weeks and months. And going back to actually your former idea as well of OTT and streaming, there is one thing we don't do is we, we are trying to focus only on what i would like to try to call like a fun transactional platform mm. meaning that we are not here to create a new ott platform streaming content we, we believe that actually this is well, should be run by the clubs mainly or by netflix or by dozen or by other platform but we, we don't want to go in that territory at all we focus really on hey we, we we sell these tokens these tokens give you rights these tokens give you benefits we attach benefits that could be transactional I think next week, yeah, next week, we're launching that. So it depends on when you're going to release it. But next week, we, uh, if you own fan tokens of every club, you're going to start to have cash back uh, on all the clubs' uh, official stores.
2: Right.
1: Uh, and the idea is to generate revenue to the, sh- to the stores. It's to, to really focus on transactions. And that's mm-hmm. also one of the reasons we are launching a Visa card uh, where you own the socials card. And that's one of the points I know we, we, we want to talk about, but you use that socios.com visa card in Europe mm-hmm. for now. Uh, and you send your salary or you send some money into it. It's a debit card. And every time you spend money in an Adidas shop, and because I know that you are a Juventus fan or you are uh, another team fan, because you, you spend money in an Adidas shop, then you will uh, eventually have uh, more cash back, more discounts, more benefits. So our job is to help clubs, or support rather than help, support clubs to activate even more the relationship they have with their big sponsor, especially in the retail industry, by sending traffic and sending people in their uh, retail store.
0: Mm, interesting, Couple of, again, couple of questions here. First of all, of course, how do you buy a token, right? Um, how do you get one of these things? Talk us through that.
1: So, super easy, you go, you download the socios.com app, um, which is free of course you create an account which is free then you put your credit card details uh, to buy chilies uh, yes. 20, uh, minimum is 2 euro I think or something like that mm-hmm. um, and you buy let's say you put 10 euro you get uh, a thousand chilies for 10 euro mm-hmm. you know? and with this thousand chilies you can immediately buy either Juventus Paris Saint-Germain or whatever in three click it's done right. so it's, it's it's not as simple as an in-app transaction because it doesn't fit in the in-app of Apple and uh, and, um, and Google, which is good because we don't have to pay thirty percent, which will not be possible because it's crypto. Hmm. Uh, but so there is a process of putting your credit card details and all that stuff, hmm. which means also that we have to do more work in terms of uh, know your customer, anti fraud management, uh, all of that twenty four seven in multiple countries. Right. But um, that's you download, you put your money, you buy the token, done. The next generation will be though by the end of the year is we're gonna have like sort of widget where you can also directly buy with your credit card uh, on the on the app or the website of the currency.
0: But yeah, I downloaded both. So I'm, I got Socios and I got Chili's. Um, so Chili's is where I would tra- would trade it, obviously, right? And I can see the the exchange rates or the ch- the, the, the the rates for each uh, token. Um, now, do, can I also earn token? If I do, if I'm a super fan, I do all these amazing things. Uh, do I get free tokens as well, or that's it's purely a transaction, uh, cash transaction every time? Uh, when you do what? Sorry. If I'm, if I do something as a super fan, right? I promote my team. Yeah. I do other things which, whatever, um, helps my team in some fashion. Do I get free token? Is that part of uh, the so, campaign as well, or not?
1: Uh, yes and no. So usually, what we do is we give or the club or rather give free token to all their ticket season older okay. so they send an email to the 40,000 people that are in the stadium say hey this is your free token go and grab it,
2: it. usually
1: you have uh, only 1 or 2% of people who's going to respond unfortunately at least for now um, but uh, we, we started with this to ensure that we don't alienate let's say the hardcore fans that are in the stadium by offering something that is that I have to pay uh, outside of the stadium let's say mm-hmm. so we give this for free that's number one uh, then, um, then, 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 we uh, we gonna actually we are adding all the gamification and the leaderboard and the, the rewards. This is happening this year. Or by the end of the year, we have more and more features. So the more you're gonna activate or you're gonna be present in the app and on the club, um, the more you're gonna get rewards out of it. Okay. Uh, not necessarily tokens of the team because tokens of the teams are actually valuable yeah. so we have to, to, to be careful right.
2: um,
1: and you will, some of course will get, but not everybody can get you know, like the Juventus token is $7 right now, so mm. I cannot give away 100 tokens for free like this especially that you can eventually convert them back to uh, some valuable uh, either euro or something else um, so we, we have like some points that's um, Socios, uh, SSU, Socios United uh, Socios United uh, tokens, um, and we're gonna have more and more points related to that at some point.
0: Mm, interesting. Yeah, and because that's always seemed it seems to be originally that's what we did as well. Right? We created all these tokens, and then you create you know fan engagement for help to help them drive it. Now here's a couple other questions. Number one is, and I looked at it. So the um, the Barca token, I think you had uh, something like twenty million token, and then uh, Juventus. or oh, sorry, Barca was forty million. Juventus was twenty million token. PSG, 20 million. How do you decide the level of volume of token? Um, is that between you and the team, or how does that come out? Why is one higher than the other?
1: So, we have a lottery system. No, I'm kidding. So, yes, we, we decide. It's, we have three tiers, I think. Uh, we have uh, the top tier, like Barca, which I believe is 40 million. We have a second tier, which is a bit unfair as a name, uh, which is um, a PSG, Juventus, etc. Uh, and then we have others, which will be we know we have more than that because we have some teams who have only five million as well. So, well, anyway, I don't know how exactly so the tiers, but, tiers but what well. I know is that, yeah, <laughs> uh, we we have <laughs> we have uh, we, we choose with the team. Yeah, it's not in the contract; it's always a discussion. When we're, once the contract is signed, yeah. we go into details. And yes, it depends on the social media reach. It depends on the real potential. Uh, and it's not the potential today. Nobody is going to 10 million, ten million, five million, or even one million token at one dollar sure. uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, it's more about the fact that hey, over five years. What is our expectation about the amount of tokens we could potentially sell and distribute?
0: Yeah. That's a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense. And and how do you set the pricing? Because again, um, there, are, if I look at the tokens right now, several were around sort of $5 and you had one at $3. Um, is that again set with the team or you have a fixed, it's always starts at $1 or $5 or whatever?
1: It always starts between one to two dollars or two euro right now. So when we shoot a token, there is a fixed price, of course, uh, for a period of time. So when we shoot Barcelona token, it was two euro mm-hmm. and we sold for 1.3 million dollars in like 20 minutes or something like that. Okay. Um, and then the price fluctuate based on the demands. So sometimes it goes up, sometimes it goes down. Yes. Um, when Paris Saint-Germain was uh, leading the way to the final of the Champions League. The token went up uh, three or four times, I think. Yeah. Uh, and it was just the fans or traders uh, trying to be interested into the team. And I think the token is still pretty high, and that's that's fine. But we don't control that,
0: obviously. It's, it's yeah, the, the of that's free trading. Uh, and that's again. I mean, that's obviously the next logical question out of this. How much is it currently? Where you really have a sophisticated. Let's call it the more sophisticated crypto community, right, who who understands the space and trades in Ethereum and Bitcoin and God knows what other currencies there. Um, how much do you have them? And for them, which is an extra little fun thing uh, that it has a little more of a sexy name to it, right, and has an, uh, something associated they can recognize uh, versus the real fans. Um, what's your, your own experience or how do you currently define yep. that?
1: So be, before answering this question, there is one question. It's, what is a real fan? In 2020, what is a sports fan? Is it someone that follows you on Twitter? Is it someone that, that bet on the Labrox, b 365, but have no relationship with the team? Is it someone who, has, who lives in Malaysia and has a fake jersey of Liverpool and yet still a fan because he's watching on, the, on the Fox Sports or something like that? Mm. Uh, the, 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 the fan description is very fragmented. Yeah. Uh, okay. There is funds. There, there is thousands of ways to define a fan today, uh, and that's why we believe the concept of fan tokens and the fact that you be, we start you start to become recognized. And of course, you cannot have hundred percent rich, but uh, is is valuable and especially for foreigners uh, fans. Hmm. Now today, uh, we have two type of customers. We have the crypto enthusiast who. Or also in general, sports fan like everybody else, yep. not necessarily Barca fan or Juventus fan, but they are sports fan. They understand yep. the, the concept of being a fan, and these one are buying this um, as early adopters. Like in any technology, you have this geek and early adopters that's gonna be more educated than you and me in a way, mm-hmm. and gonna start to participate in that.
2: Right.
1: And that's actually right now more or less fifty percent of the of the users. Then you have the other users that are the more casual fans, and in that um, demographics, you still have the early adopter fans, and you have the super casual slash occasional fans, mm. um, And these ones are buying tokens because they are a little bit more supportive of one or several teams. Um, and these guys today represent yeah up to 50%. And the goal is that in the next three years, they will be like 80, 85%. Wow. We will always have crypto enthusiasts and, and in all fairness, the fans or users we are also onboarding are becoming crypto enthusiasts to who you are actually educating them as well. Um, but yeah, we, we, the more we're going to grow, hopefully, the more these casual and occasional fans are going to become a stronger demographics you know, uh, user base. Uh, but that requires education and that requires time. Uh, you, you cannot convince suddenly to the uh, 1 million users say, hey guys, look, it's so cool what we do. Uh, Barcelona tweeted about it, Juventus tweeted about it, PG tweeted about it. No. You can spend uh, you can spend 10 million euro doing marketing. You will still need time to educate the fans. So it's a matter of a journey.
0: Uh, yeah, and I totally agree with that. Um, and again, it, it, because that's clearly been all, I think when we were doing it at that time as well, it was always the conversion, right? Um, there is you know the crypto people know that and they know how to set it, up, set it up. But you know, I took I need my IT guys to set up my cryptocurrency account. I mean, it was that complicated, you know. And this is whatever two years ago. Um, and I've probably never used it ever since then again. Um, so the good news is you have a very easy system, which you already explained earlier. Um, but you also mentioned, I think last time when we spoke, uh, that you are now uh, opening it up to additional changes, right? On the bigger you know uh, exchanges in the world, Binance, et cetera. Um, is that all? Uh, when, when will you be able to uh, you'll be live on some of those? Hey, uh,
1: that's a million dollar question, probably a bit more even. Uh, so for so now the tokens, um, the tokens that are, um, the tokens that we launched are traded on our ecosystem and our platform.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: in a couple of weeks or less or more, it's gonna be uh, started to be traded on other platforms, not all tokens, of course, but some of them. Mm. Um, and that's not really on us, it's rather on the other guys. Uh, and that will be the real beginning of the second phase of our business, meaning that the digital asset that we build will start to be available outside of a pure, it will be still our platform, but they will be a tradable outside uh, of, uh, of us. And that will give more visibility to these tokens, more liquidity. And it's also gonna be an acquisition tool because maybe, not that we're going to be on Binance soon anyway. But let's say one day you have Barcelona uh, on, on Binance. Yeah. Well, Binance has millions and millions and millions of users. Right. Uh, if suddenly they say, oh, that's cool. There is this Barcelona token. Some of them is going to buy for uh, to, to trade it, buy and sell yeah. to trade it. And then statistically, you're going to have a percentage of these guys that are going to say, oh, I'm a Barca fan. I'm going to buy it and keep it. And I'm not going to even use the social app uh, because actually I can get benefits out of that. Um, So it is for also for us an acquisition tool. And we are in the retail industry. Till now we have our own shop uh, that was in a a little one way uh, with no light um, street. And we're gonna start to distribute our product in uh, bigger malls that are all connected together. And yeah. that's where we're going to really start to, to, to go.
0: Yeah, I have no doubt. It, it is about volume for sure and, and have, so having access to that larger ecosystem. So uh, I do see that as a big opportunity. Now, a couple of last other questions here, and I'm also careful with our timing here. Um Is there a figure you can release or or you maybe have released of how much money you have raised so far? Let's say if you take all the tokens uh, for all the different clubs uh, and and IP owners you have, is there a magic number out there? You raised 10 million, 20 million, whatever dollars for them. Um, Is there something out there you can share?
1: Yes, but it's not raising money. When you sell tickets, you don't raise money, you sell tickets. Here, when you sell jersey, you sell jersey, you don't raise money. It's the same. We we sell a digital asset Correct. that give you benefits access. It's not raising money. Barcelona sure. doesn't okay. need
0: us to raise money. Fair enough. But, uh, uh, then, and so how much money have you generated through the selling of the token? For <laughs> now, it's five to
1: six for, for the yeah for the last six months. I will say it's five to six million dollar, right. uh, and I think it's going to be eight to ten by the end of the year, okay. uh, if we finish the year as we hope it will, yeah. um, and hopefully next year it will be obviously much more. Yeah. Um, so that's more
0: or less where we are. Yeah, there's some good numbers already. And so obviously, and we, you know, your business model is you're you, you collecting tollway there, right? You're collecting fees from A, raising the money, yes. and then of course in the transaction. Not
1: raising the money, selling
0: the token, Selling, So I keep t- saying raising it, yeah, selling the token. And then uh, of course, uh, in the transaction itself, once they get exchanged and traded. Um, so that's that's your model. Now, the clubs, yes. um, is there a benefit? I'm trying to think with it while I'm t- saying this here. Is there a benefit for the club when their token goes up in value? Um, not really, right? It's not that there's any further no, value for them in it, right?
1: No, it doesn't really matter. I mean, uh, the only thing, the, the club is, through us, liquidating tokens when there is enough demand. Uh, so th- this is a revenue stream. Again, imagine we printed one million jersey. And if there is people who wants to buy Jersey, we sell Jersey. If there is more people then we, you know, like uh, tickets, which have a limited amount in the stadium, well, we sell the tickets more expensively.
0: Yes, of course, so, exactly. Uh, yeah, I've answered my own question. Exactly, the same, <laughs> exactly right.
1: <laughs> so if, if there is a demand for it and the price goes up and yeah, you sell it doesn't damage range. the price, then you sell it. If you don't sell at a lot, you sell it or you don't sell. It depends on the need of both the club and us. Uh, but the club, for them, it's a new revenue stream. They yes. have um, uh, global, uh, broadcasting rights, sponsoring, merchandising, match day, ticketing, all that stuff. You know, there is a new vertical that is called uh, fan tokens or Correct. digital asset, and Correct. it's it's a revenue it's stream. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Of, of course, and as higher the token goes, the more you collect for the future tokens you're putting out. So, uh, absolutely. So it is it does make a difference for the club as the token goes up to. So, yeah, no, that makes complete sense. Uh, very cool. I mean, like I said, I love the I love the topic. Uh, I'm a big fan of this whole space. Uh, I do believe blockchain has its space in the general sense in in, in business, uh, and I think we'll, we're we're going to continue seeing more of it. And I do also see the tokenization. It's uh, is actually my favorite word of mine. I was I've been using it forever, and um, we were talking about it last time. That I think there is also other ways. Um, you know, I know you don't like the word raising money, but I use it for a crypto for a, for crowdfunding. Right? Um, with the story I was yeah. talking about, uh, you know, how you would potentially could raise money, like for building a new stadium, right, where the fans help you raise. Yeah the money by owning an asset or by owning a fractional asset of the uh, fractional ownership of the asset there. Um, that is to me still, you know, maybe not, it's obviously not what you guys are doing here right now, but I do think that could be future applications, again, because it is all about fractional ownership, right? This is really, and ownership maybe, again, is could be, can be defined, right? Right now, you're not owning anything in the club, right? It's not you owning shares in, in a team or you're owning, it's going you, to, you own a share of the voice in, in your scenario here. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you can create uh, a proper um, asset token, uh, right? Which is a different token class, of course. Uh, which is more, you know, has more financial restrictions and other things, which then would be related to a, you know, real physical asset. And I think that's that to me is exciting and I um, have no doubt someone will crack this one day and maybe we can be part of it. So, uh, but what do you think? Where do you think is, besides what you're doing there right now, where can you, if you really dream now, you know, dream big a bit here, where do you think the tokenization for football clubs and and or sports in general could go?
1: So, for, for me, you know, there is always like a plan, like, oh, you could have, you know, tokens that are shares of a team. Man, that exists already with Manchester United. It's a listed company. Juventus is a listed company. Uh, Roma Lyon is a listed company. So I, I don't believe that tokenizing shares uh, is better for the fans. And I actually don't believe that fans should be exposed to the PNL and the ROI of a team uh, more than this. No, in terms of special project, like you said, for a stadium or something that you... I would even prefer it's not possible legally but you know tokenizing the um, third party uh, ownership of a uh, player ah, that's cool uh, and and that thing that's a little bit more innovative right. so for me uh, I always believe that innovation it's I mean technology it's about innovation it's not about replacing something that exists um, and we we need to use technology and blockchain to do things that didn't exist before not just replacing them with a new new world and a better hype right. and so that's where we, we, we should be creative
0: I like that yeah no, I, I, that's a very uh, that's an interesting and I agree with that I think it's about adding value to the system by bringing these new technologies in. And, and in the same way OTT, it's, it, OTT is in some case replacing traditional television, but it is also adding, right? There's a whole bunch of things you can do in OTT, which traditional television could never do, right? There is an interactivity part to it, right? You actually know the customer because they downloaded an app or, you know, they you, you had to register, which again, on TV, you don't. So, um, so I think there, there are similarities to that as well here. Now, since we are sort of coming a bit to the tail end of our conversation, you know, what what is it, you know, being you know where you are in Malta, which of course is a it's a very interesting space, both linked to crypto, um, technology and, and gaming, etc. Right, so I'm sure you have some interesting conversation with your fellow Malti, Maltesians or whatever you call each other there. Um, you know, what is it where you see the future of sports going and with what's happening around the world right now?
1: Oh, that's a bold question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll give you uh, give you an easy an easy one to pick whatever you like.
1: Yeah, well, I mean Malta, the, the, the blockchain ecosystem is actually a very small ecosystem, so we cannot really talk about that. Uh, sports in general, I do think that sport, uh, sports is the only one of the rare industry that hasn't been disrupted by the technology. Uh, uh, unlike uh, travel, finance, uh, dating, everything has been challenged by the technology. Sports hasn't till now. I do believe it will, uh, especially because of the change of um, the profile of the fans. I mean, of course, uh, it's a bit of a cliche, but old generation are going to obviously vanish more than the young generation. Young generation are going to be more demanding digitally uh, in their way they interact with the sports, whatever the sport is. Um, So there will be a need of reinventing themselves, not in the next two years. Of course, it's a generational change, Um, but it will change. And that's where all companies like us and others can have a, a room to innovate and own that space in that way. And that's why we're spending thousands of millions of dollars it's to, 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 to own that, uh, that, that space. Yeah,
0: very cool. Alex, uh, we could go on here, but uh, I this is a great time uh, to, to wrap this up with your words here. Uh, thanks so much for your time. This was really uh, enlightening, and, uh, and I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope we'll have some more of that in the future. So uh, have a great day there in Malta, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll talk some more soon. Thanks, Marcus. Definitely. Cheers. The Sports Entrepreneurs by Marcus Lure Podcasts are a collection of interviews and stories. All content in this podcast is the copyright of Marcus Luer. Reproduction and distribution of the presentation without written permission of the owner is prohibited. All rights reserved.